Walker, presented by Allen Electric. And now, here's T.J. Walker. Hello, everybody. Hope you're having a good Wednesday. It's hump day here in the bluegrass. It's a hot, sticky day. It's not a fun day to be outside. We're back in studio after... At least for our show, Trevor, a, a semi-unsuccessful remote at BW3s because, as I suspected, we were going through the microphone via the computer, not actually the headsets that we had around our heads. Uh, but I, I know that Nick and Inside the Press Box figured that out, uh, and we won't have that problem moving forward. But do apologize for the poor audio quality yesterday. I went back to listen and had several text messages saying that uh, people couldn't really understand what I was saying. I could I get their point because uh, it definitely was hard to hear. Uh, quality's better today, though, and the show should be uh, it should be more enjoyable, easier to listen to. We're going to have Rob Doster on. We're going to talk Jamal Murray. Uh, that will be in the second segment, so that should be pretty entertaining. Um, as, as I've talked a lot about Rob Doster and Jamal Murray uh, without Rob being able to defend himself. Are you prepared for this debate? I'm prepared for the debate, although I'm too I'm too nice. Uh, it, not I'm not too nice, but I, I respect Rob's opinion, so I'm going to see at least where he's coming from, even if I do disagree with him. Uh, but I look forward to being able to kind of go back and forth with him a little bit. But how you how you doing, Trevor? I'm doing good, uh, other than dealing with the heat driving up here, uh, sitting in the bridge traffic for an extra twenty minutes with no air conditioning. I'm other than that, I'm doing pretty excellent. Thank you. Glad to glad to hear it. Uh, traffic has been pretty bad today. Um, well, the traffic by the where the uh, where the where Louisville merges onto uh, where seventy one and merges onto sixty five north on and the Kennedy has always been a kind of a I don't want to call it a nightmare because it's not that bad, but it's a daily twenty minute sit and wait just to get through on that on ramp. And once you're on the bridge, you're pretty smooth sailing. At least I am because I don't uh, I don't. Uh, mess around i'd bob and weave at that point and i'm i'm moving yeah you're not shy about getting getting over in lanes no 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 not in my car especially my car my, my car is is a tank in itself a hummer would be scared to go head to head with my car interesting uh I, I i doubt it but i'll take your word for it and i have nothing to lose in life so you know what the hell i'm going lane to lane on the bridge uh, but besides talking with Rob Doster in the show today. We're going to talk some some UK basketball uh, away from Jamal Murray. Some other some other notes and, and newsworthy items. A little recruiting stuff, as we always talk about on the show. We're going to talk UK football too. I'm going to implement a new a new segment today that's going to carry on um, for at least a week or two as we are getting closer and closer to the start of football season. So you'll find that out at the at the five o'clock hour. What we're doing there. It's nothing major, uh, but it, it will it will give us something more to talk about. It'll be fun uh, for you all to listen to. You love springing uh, so, these new segments on me, don't you? It's it's not really a new segment. It's just something that we're going to be doing, and I'll introduce it at five o'clock. It's it's uh, you don't need to worry about uh, getting a new intro for it. All right, I'll uh, worry about that later. Yeah, uh, yeah, and tomorrow, Throwback Thursday. That's the only thing you need to worry about is having a better showing after last week's debacle. I just know not to make. I just know not to point out the truth about Andrew Harrison. Yeah, yeah, the truth. Oh, good stuff. Uh, so it, it, we we've got, and we're also going to talk a little fantasy football too if we get some time. Uh, so it should be a good show. It should be a good show. So where do you want to start, Trevor? Uh, I went and saw vacation last night. Well, I told you to text me after you had 
you were finished seeing it and I, you never I, did. I went to a 10:30 showing and I got out of the theater at 12:35. I figured you were asleep by then. I was asleep uh, by then. Actually, I might have not been. I'm 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 a nerd, so I'm I'm reading a pretty juicy autobiography, not autobiography, but a biography on Ben Franklin. So I was actually probably up reading that last night. Isn't that an episode from How I Met Your Mother? I, I don't know. Is it? I think it is. I was probably doing that. So you would have been okay to text me. And even if I was asleep, uh, the text wouldn't have woken me up. So now how was it? Give me a, give me a little breakdown. Um, let, uh, scale one to 10, I give it a, a five and a half. Five uh, and a half. On on the Trevor scale, see, this is the important thing when you're talking movies with your friends. To get above you a seven, to, you got to be pretty good. Yeah, to, you need to when you ask your friends for what they think about a movie, you need to ask them about movies that you've already seen and tell them to rate that, so you can kind of balance out the weight, uh, knowing how your expect how their expectations will transfer over to you. So five and a half for you would probably maybe mean close to a seven for me. So I'm actually a little bit excited about it. You, yeah. Uh, it's, I'll say this, it's better than European. Not that that really took a lot of effort to do. Uh, it's a not better than Christmas in the original, uh, but it is on par with Vegas. Hmm. Uh, the Ed Helms character was, he tried a little bit too hard to be the Chevy Chase character. And he just, I, I like Ed Helms. I do, but he, he can't be Chevy Chase. He's, he can't do the Clark Griswold like Chevy Chase could. He just it just it just came off kind of forced. And there was something. You're saying that, that if you're saying it's on par with Vegas, then I think I would be in for a real treat. I mean, it's worth going to see. I mean, I think I would. I, I recommend seeing it. Now, is it worth you know spending a major amount of money at the theater? Which I mean, I think it was ten bucks last night. But even though because it was Tuesday, it was say, an opening, so it was like ten dollars. I mean, it was worth that. Not to mention, I was actually really surprised. I was. I was I got there five minutes before the movie. I was the only one in the theater, and by the time the, the-, the movie ended, there was only maybe ten people in the theater total. At well, that that is surprising. I guess it, it was a late showing, which would be the only. And I guess a lot of two dollar Tuesday people were going to see maybe Pixels. I heard a lot of train wreck in theaters still. Um, train yeah, train wreck has continued to have good crowds. Uh, Pixels, you couldn't pay me enough to Ant go Man, see. Man, I heard a couple. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I have no desire to see Pixels. That ranks right up there. Was watching. The Jersey Shore cast redo Schindler's List. I, I, don't, I don't really have no desire to see that whatsoever. I'm sure Minions had had uh, a decent audience, and then uh, we went to it was it was Hannah's night to pick the movie, and we went and saw Inside Out, and that had a that was actually pretty packed too. And that man, you want to talk about depressing Disney movies? <laughs> that would be number one. More depressing than uh, Simba's father being killed. It, it the movie as a whole is more depressing than The Lion King. Wow, and that's and impressive. I. This might be a spoiler, so if you don't want to hear it, cover your ears. But nobody nobody dies in the movie. It's well, not like there is one person like a main character doesn't die. So it's but depressing it's still, without death? It's depressing without death. Hmm. It just it kind of makes you basically their premise is to be happy in life, you have to be sad. Which maybe is true. I feel like I, I just couldn't believe that that was a Disney movie. I feel like maybe Christopher Nolan could have directed this movie and made it this real mental mental tease of a movie and, and had some twists and turns to really dig into the human brain about how our emotions and our memories will uh, leave us and, and this and that. That's something I'll probably check out on cable. The only other problem I have with Vacation is it did... It seems sometimes every antic after the other one was trying to top the one before it. And it almost kind of came off at some point. Eventually, it's too forced. 
of being just trying to go over the top. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it, it starts it, off that, with the, one of the first great scenes is they go they uh, they go down to Memphis State, uh, which I'm surprised they called it Memphis State since I know they dropped the state probably 20 years ago, but. Uh, they called it Memphis State University. You know, Memphis, that's where apparently Christina Applegate's character went. And that was the first kind of uh, obscure adventure on the road trip, which was very funny. But every event after that just seemed like they were just trying to top the one before it. And by the time it got near the end of the movie, it was like, okay, it's getting kind of ridiculous now. Yeah, uh, that's that's a bummer to to hear, but I'm still going to see it. And Oh, I recommend based it. On, yeah, based on your your review of the movie it's actually it's i might even be a bit more excited than i previously previously was to see it because uh, you, you can be a, a bit of a movie snob i can be i'm very i'm very picky with my movies i am and now i like to there are some movies more often than not that i'll watch the second or third time and start to loosen up and catch more things maybe because i'm more picky when i go to the movie theater because i can't get in a more comfortable you know right set of mind in in the head completely and can't enjoy it as like I would at home. So maybe I don't, uh, I'm more picky when I go to theaters. Yeah, that's understandable. Uh, b- before we kind of dig into more local topics, Trevor, should we touch on uh, the, the Patriots and, and Belichick's press conference and Kraft's pre- pesca- yeah, press conference today? Robert Kraft Anything? was not a very happy guy, was he? No, he said I was wrong to put my faith in the league and, and really went all out in terms of being disappointed with the NFL's decision to uh, to keep Tom Brady's four-game suspension, and then it was classic Belichick that went on the press that that spoke to the press after him. Um, I, uh, d- you can hear this on national radio, and if you flip on ESPN or any sports station, that's all they're going to be talking about. So I don't really want to dig into it all that much. But anything that jumped out at you? Uh, nothing in particular. Sour grapes more than anything. Uh, and the, I'm I'm kind of going back and forth because yesterday I talked about how. Uh, Tom Brady was in the wrong, and it should have probably been a longer suspension. But and you know, he, so he 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 later goes on to say that his phone was broken, so he needed to get a new phone. But you know, if a phone's broken, you can still pass it on to the NFL so people can see text messages. Now, on the flip side, he said whenever he changes phones, he's make sure his old his old phone is destroyed so nobody can get a hold of it in the trash or at a landfill or anything like that and, and expose his text messages or anything along those well, lines. What is he texting and saying to people that is so private that he can't Well, get I actually, I, 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 based on what I said yesterday and kind of how hard I was on Tom Brady, I can actually understand if you are a celebrity and your phone and your you're switching phones, even if the other one's not broken, you would want to make sure that phone would not end up in a place where other people could get it. So you're somewhat taking my argument from yesterday, then. You're agreeing with me to a, to a point. I'm not agreeing that he has pictures on his phone of him smoking weed. Well, not, but, not to that extent, but just personal things that they could get him in trouble in general. Well, it seemed like your argument was that it was more... Not in trouble. If he had, you know, naked pictures of his wife on there... That's not going to get him in trouble. No, it's not going to be. Well, it's going to get him in trouble with her. Yeah, it might get him in trouble with her, but he's not going to. He's not going to be suspended by the NFL because of that. No, but it's going to definitely not be something he wants out. Obviously. Yeah. It's, or it could be a worst case, or even even a worst case scenario: naked pictures of himself. It's not been something that's out too out of the realm of craziness when when we talk about the uh, the naked pictures that, that athletes have sent over the last uh, five to ten years. 
So I actually can understand destroying your phone in that case, but the big question is, did the NFL ask for his phone before he destroyed it? And that's where there's some disagreements. If a, And, you know, if he'd, he... I guess he could also alter his text messages along those lines, but uh, he could just pass along strictly the transcripts of the text messages and, and not, and of course, the ones that they want to see between him and maybe some equipment managers on the Patriots. It doesn't have to go into, okay, well, let's check your photo library and see if you've got anything in there. Well, that we, If they it, feel it's so important, wouldn't you think they would have to get a subpoena to get something like that? I mean, that's something that, he doesn't have to give up. I'm le- assuming it's li- listed legally in the uh, bargaining agreement. I'm assuming with the Players Association to, to not have to be forced to give up something personal like a cell phone. Well, I'm sure probably legally, yes, but if the NFL asks you for something and you don't want to participate or you don't want to follow along, it's still the NFL's league and it's still their rules so they can hand down a suspension and the the Patriots and Kraft say they're going to take it to court and you know look at the legal matters of this, but the NFL can kind of do what it wants, Trevor, if you haven't figured that out by now. No, I understand it, but they can't do whatever they want because there is a union involved, which is the Players Association. Well, they can it's still some, do whatever. I mean, they I'm, think. I'm assuming that Kraft and, and, and Brady just don't want to say, okay, we're they're just going to keep fighting this to prove innocence and so instead of just saying, okay, you know what, I'm done with this. Just give me my four-game suspension. I'll move on. I, I assume they don't want to do that because they feel like people are going to tag them with some by admitting guilt by doing that, I, I, I suppose. Yeah, and we found out yet, later yesterday that supposedly – uh, and you know, found out today also that supposedly they said that they could, they would think about reducing the suspension to two games if Brady would admit some some fault in this. That yes, he had talked to the equipment managers. Yes, he was at least uh, he he had known that the footballs were a bit deflated. And Tom Brady said no to that. He's not going to give in. He's not going to give in an inch. Is that smart or dumb from Tom Brady's point of view? Uh, well, I mean, if you're, if you're adamant about your, your innocence and you're adamant about not taking a suspension for something you don't feel you did. And I mean, I could see not wanting to give an inch. I could see, you know, not wanting to, to, to fight it as long as you can. I mean, in some cases, maybe you need to pick and choose your battles. And in this case, I think is one of them. Well, that's the, that, that, the, that brings up the bigger issue though. If that is true. Let's say he actually is innocent of doing any wrongdoing. Is he being selfish to his team by not reducing that suspension to two games for his pride? Um, I'm just, I'm spitballing here. I, no, you know, yeah, I, I, I guess yeah, you can you can see it that way. On on the other hand, the team should want to support Tom Brady and whatever he does, whether you know it's, it's being suspended for two games or four games is uh, is, is a punishment. They should want you should. On that flip side, you would say they should support him and his decision as a teammates as well. It reminds me of a Paradise Lost documentary that I've mentioned now three times in the last and week. You have to watch. I have. I want to talk you, like Yoda. I don't know. You you need you do need to watch it. But these I, I these well I don't I really don't want to spoil it for you. But these guys were in prison for uh, you know how long was it? Eighteen years. Uh, Eighteen years and some change and. The only way they were going to get out is if they admitted some guilt in a crime that they had said that they were innocent in for 18 years. Uh, and that was the only way that they could get out of jail for good is by admitting some fault, um, which yeah. is interesting. I, I, you know, I, I don't know what you would do in that dilemma. 
and and, and I don't want to compare the West Memphis three. Yeah, I was going to say you're, compa- and, you're comparing and, someone admitting to killing and, multiple and, people to. And, and there are 18 years in prison to Tom Brady's suspension of four games to two games. For taking air out of well, a ball. <laughs> it does. It, it, it basically comes down to personal choice of what would you do? What would you do if you were not guilty of something, but you knew that you could you could help your situation by admitting some guilt to it? I'd take What's th- more important to your pride or uh, the logistics of in some cases, maybe being free or uh, in Tom Brady's case of, of being able to play two extra games, which could be huge for the Patriots playoff chances. At this point, if I'm Tom Brady, I take the suspension and the huge fine. I'm going to get in a press conference. I have bad mouthing Goodell, bad mouthing the NFL and giving my side of the story. The only reason I'm accepting this is because they're being a bunch of punks and won't, and won't see me eye to eye on it. I would, I would, do, I would take the suspension and probably the huge fine I get for the, the press conference that probably has a few bleeps and blurs in it. Well, I, if in most cases, I would say maybe you just bite the bullet, you give the NFL what they want to hear, knowing that they, they probably, they think they're in a, in the wrong a little bit because they're going to give you some leeway. If the NFL really thought Tom Brady was a hundred percent guilty and that he was behind this and this was a really big deal, there's no way in hell that they would ever say, "Okay, you do this and we're going to reduce your suspension." That's them admitting guilt. That's not guilt, but that's them admitting that they're a bit wrong by saying, okay, we'll reduce this, just make us feel better and say that we were right. And in doing that, if it's almost any other player in the league or any other quarterback in the league, I would say that's the smart thing to do. Tom Brady, you know, obviously not with Peyton Manning and maybe with Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees or Andrew Luck. Well, not necessarily Andrew Luck, but with Tom Brady, he's got the Super Bowls. He doesn't really need to prove anything else. Uh, he doesn't need to get those if they if those two extra games if that keeps the Patriots out of the playoffs then eh that stinks but they won the Super Bowl last year if that keeps them from getting a higher seed and they lose in the AFC Championship game because they had to go on the road then Tom Brady would just go uh eh, well tough luck but I can just count these rings and that'll make me feel a little bit better so he doesn't really have anything to prove so I I actually think that's probably the smart thing for him to do is to stick by his stance of. Uh, being innocent and and have this now it's not the NFL versus Tom Brady it is it's Goodell versus Kraft and we've we've known that they were friends for a long time uh, it doesn't seem that's the case anymore Trevor um, well I'm sure they can kiss and make up eventually but at this point yeah they're not they're not uh, having dinner together or having one to the other's bar mitzvah or anything like that I feel like I just have to say this while we're talking about this. Uh, NFL quarterbacks should be allowed to deflate their deflate the balls if they so choose. Uh, I, I just don't it's get why rule. that's they a rule. Can't. If it's a rule, they can't do it then. But but I, I'm I'm not saying to break the rules. I'm saying that's a rule that needs to be changed because yeah. that just doesn't uh, within a certain guidelines. Say the quarterback could deflate the ball down to uh, what was what's the psi's at? It, it has to be at 11.5 psi psi's. I think let them deflate it down to nine if if they want or or ten. Uh, you know, give them some leeway to make them comfortable. They're the quarterbacks, and so you're saying, obviously, you're saying a football can be they can, any team can put the football at the the home team, I suppose, or whatever team, whatever. Well, each team away. has some, they should have their, their own, own preference. Balls. No, I disagree. That, that I get no. It should be one size ball across the board. No, it, it, each team plays with their own balls to begin with, Trevor. Yeah, but so they're, all the, it, they're all the same ball. Well, well they're they're, 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 supposed they're to be. not they're not literally the same ball. Now they have the same standards of how the ball has to be inflated and their balls that are sent down from the NFL, 
But if the Packers are playing the Colts, Green Bay has a set of probably 15 or 20 balls on their sidelines that they use after the game. They keep when they kick a, a field goal and it doesn't get caught by the net and it goes into the crowd. That's their ball they, lo- they lose. The Colts, they have their entire own set of balls, and there's no mixing between the two. Even after an interception, let's say Rodgers throws an interception, which we know would never happen. The Colts, after they're tackled, that ball goes back to – Green Bay's sideline. Brett Favre would throw an interception if it was a clutch game, though. Brett Favre would he would probably smoke a cig on the sideline, throw in a dip, and then throw for 450 yards and eight touchdowns and four interceptions in the win. That's what Brett Favre would do. That fourth interception probably cost the game. But I get no, and I know that I know. But but to what your original point was, yes, I understand they keep the same ball themselves, but still, the ball has to be the same weights. You can't if it's a cold game, you can't heat your ball. You can't heat the ball up. It even, like uh, the other say the, you why? Have the heater, you why? can't do it why? because it, you why? can't it has to be an even playing ground I get that it is but okay but listen they're not it's not like the the Green Bay Packers are going to play manual high school freshman team everybody's got the same they're on the same playing field they've got heaters they've got ways to deflate their balls they've got different sources to make sure every team can help their own advantages it's not like uh, it's not like the Colts can't afford to be able to do some of these things. They can. So I, I get what you're saying, and I think here's the thing, Trevor. Whether or not and Tom Brady got caught doing it, every quarterback is going to have their preference in balls on the sideline. They're going to have some that are going to be a little bit different. Kickers are the exact same way. That's just the way the NFL works. It's the same in college football, too. So – whether or not you you think that – and Tom Brady just got caught because it ended up being a scandal where the equipment managers were idiots and texting back and forth, and it was a AFC championship game, so they looked, you know, they looked closer into uh, the everything, really. Well, and so, it's Tom Brady. If this had been Joe Blow, quarterback at Jacksonville, well, no one would have cared after three weeks. Yeah. Yeah, you're right about that. But anyways, I, I we spent too much time on this as is. I didn't really want to get into a, a, a Patriots debate, but it was funny. It was entertaining to see them uh, pretty much just throw up their middle finger to the NFL, and then Belichick was just classic Belichick with short answers, which as a reporter, if I'm covering a coach that does that, it stinks, but it's still funny. And especially when I'm not covering it, I'm sitting back watching as a fan, uh, it cracks me up. So uh, Belichick's kind of a tool to me. I mean, he is he is one of the most probably the most overrated coach in NFL history. We've talked about this. You're wrong about that again. That's okay though. Uh, we're going to head to commercial break. When we come back, we'll have Rob Dosser on to talk to Jamal Murray. Grab the popcorn. We'll be right back. I use the side door, that way Lumber can't see me. <laughs> and uh, after that, I just sort of space out for about an hour. Uh, space out? Yeah, I just stare at my desk. But it looks like I'm working. I do that for uh, probably another hour after lunch, too. Presented by Allen Electric. I'd say in a given week, I probably only do about 15 minutes of real, actual work. 
damn, it feels good to be a gangster. A real gangster type player plays his cards right. A real gangster type player never runs his mouth. We're real back here, 1450 Sports Talk with DJ Walker. brought to you by Hal Electric, Kentucky Anna's first and only electrician dedicated to residential repairs. Give them a call, 636-HELP. For any electrical service, Allen Electric will never leave you in the dark. And without further ado, from NBC Sports, covering college basketball, Rob Doster. Rob, how's it going, man? Oh, it's going, TJ. It's going. How are you doing, bro? I'm feeling. I, I'm. I'm feeling great. I'm doing well. Uh, and uh, there's a, a lot of UK fans that aren't thrilled with you lately. <laughs> Typical. I'm used to it. <laughs> are, you, are you getting to a point where you kind of like poking the the big blue nation bear? No, I mean, I, for the most part, it's just there's like just random, like three or four random guys that kind of come after you all the time. And most people just realize that you know an opinion is opinion. Nobody hates. Yeah. I, I can I can say unequivocally that nobody in in my business hates any programs. Specifically, they might hate coaches, they might hate specific players, but nobody just out and out hates a program. Um, and I don't know. It's just it's, it's funny to see all that stuff kind of snowball downhill the way it does. It, it is interesting to see how fan bases can can get their pitchforks around one thing, and and I feel a lot of people don't necessarily read or or know exactly what they're getting upset <laughs> over. But but you have got they get mad at the tweet, but they don't read the article. That's that's my favorite. <laughs> exactly, exactly, and, and that happens a lot, and and that's been the case with you, and mainly because, as I put it in my tweet, you've been pumping the brakes on Jamal Murray, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with saying, "Hey, let's put it in perspective. Let's slow down." This is a small sample size. My only problem, Rob, is that you were kind of downplaying what he did in the Pan Am games. And, and I think that's crazy because he played exceptionally well, not, not, not every quarter, not every possession, but if you look at the entire, his, his body of work over those five games, that is pretty damn impressive for an 18-year-old. Well, he's, he's tricky is what he is, and that's the thing that kind of bothers me about him, is that, you know, well, let's take that Argentina game, for example. I can say, I can say this stuff having watched, I think the only game, did they play Mexico? They played Mexico. I watched I watched four or five, four of Canada's five games, and I think uh, Mexico is the only one I didn't watch. Uh, but I, I mean, he was streaky, like really, really streaky. In the Argentina game, he had that one run at the end of the first quarter and the start of the second quarter where he hit like three ridiculous threes. He had a step back uh, jumper that he hit in traffic, and you know he, he was awesome for that five minute stretch where he hit five straight shots. But then the rest of the game, he was just bad. Like it was, it, it wasn't even like he was okay. He was bad. No, he had but one no, no, three no, turnovers. But... He was one for ten from the floor, and the only shot that he hit was like some crazy forced banked in three at the end of a shot clock. Like he wasn't, he wasn't just like not good. Like he was bad. Like he was not. He just did not play well for the rest of that game. And then against the U.S., you know, I went back and I watched that game again, and you know he wasn't he wasn't terrible for the first three quarters. He wasn't there. Like he was just a complete non-fact. And. I mean, he took over down the stretch. There's, there's absolutely nothing you can say um, about that other than, like, he was awesome. It was really, really impressive to see. And, you know, I, I think that when you compare it to some of the talent that he had against him, like, on the floor in that tournament, I mean, 
Look, he's going to be a better scorer than I thought he was going to be. He, he might average 15 points a game, and I'll give you that. I, I think that, you know, having seen him now, you can, you can see a progression. You know, before this event, it almost seemed like the Hoop Summit was an outlier in all the times that I've seen him play. Does that make sense? Like, yes. it, it was like, like he, was, he, was, he was okay, he was good, he wasn't anything special, and all of a sudden he goes for 30 and 6 in the Hoop Summit. It was like, that was the outlier. And now you can kind of see that it's actually, you know, it's progression. He's there. And I think he's going to be a better scorer than I thought at the college level. But he's still not a point guard. He averaged, I think it was, I went back and I counted up the stats. I think it was he had 12 assists and 15 turnovers in the, uh, in, in the five games. And six of those assists came um, in that USA game. So, I, I mean, look, he's not, he's not, a point guard, and the thing that bothers me about him more than anything, and that bothers isn't the right word, the, the, the thing that makes me hesitate thinking he's going to have a huge impact at the college level is that he's a guy that needs the ball. Now, you know, after seeing that performance, I can see a situation where John Calipari ends up, you know, running everything through Jamal Murray, but I don't know if that would be the best case scenario for Kentucky because I think that Skull is actually the best. I think he's going to be the best player on Kentucky next season. Um, I think he's the guy that's going to end up being the uh, the player of the year in the SEC. I think he's the guy that's most likely from that team to be an All-American. And then you also have Isaiah Briscoe, who's another guy like Jamal Murray, who is a guard that needs the ball in his hands to be effective. Like If you go back and you watch what Jamal Murray did, he never really played off the ball. Like They weren't running him off screen. They weren't using him as a guy to space the floor because of his shooting ability. He was a guy who had the ball in his hand, was running high ball screens, and was leading the break in transition. Like, that's where he did all of his damage. And, like I said, my concern is that on a team like Kentucky, with, with that much talent, I, I think that you might run into an issue where if he doesn't have the ball in his hands at all times, what else is he going to be able to do? Well, in, in hindsight, though, if – Canada didn't have him with the ball in his hands creating, who was going to do that on that team? Nobody. Nobody. I, you know, to be honest, I think the, I would make the argument that Andrew Nicholson was the best player on that team. I don't, is he in the NBA? He, I'm yes. pretty sure he is. Or yeah, he, he was first-round pick by Orlando. Yeah. Yeah, is he, he's still with Orlando, right? Yeah, he, he just doesn't play a lot, yeah. Yeah, because he was, he was awesome in that event. You know, I think he was even more impressive – in the Argentina game, he was the one that actually won that game for Canada. Like, if you watch it down the stretch, I think in, like, the last 12 minutes, he had, like, 20 points and nine rebounds or something ridiculous like that. And not all of that was created by Jamal Murray. A lot of what Anthony Bennett did was a result of those high ball screens that he ran with Jamal Murray. But Andrew Nicholson, like, blocked shots. He hit threes. He was dangerous in the post. He got to the glass. Like, he was really, really, really good. Um, and that's yeah. not to take away from what Jamal Murray did. That's just to say that Andrew Nicholson... I knew he was good at St. Bonaventure. I didn't realize that he had all that in his arsenal. No, and I'm I'm not going to take anything away from Andrew Nicholson, and I'm and obviously I'm not going to take away anything from Jamal Murray. And I get that he wasn't great every possession, but you also have to remind yourself that he Jim, he, he didn't start. And I and I saw you kind of make a you, you pointed that out in one of your articles. Let's be honest, he didn't start because he wasn't the best the best guard on that Canadian team. He didn't start because their coach had that little rotation that they were doing. They felt that they could get more out of Jamal Murray if he was rested and have him play the majority of the last three quarters. That's why he didn't start. He didn't start because he wasn't the best guard on that team. Uh, but with that being said, 
he didn't play an entire quarter. And as anybody that's played competitive basketball, having to come into a game where everybody else already has a feel and you don't, that can lead to a slow start. And it did at times for Jamal Murray. And I agree with you that maybe he won't be best suited as a true point guard at UK. But the good news is he won't have to be, where on the Canadian team, he did have to be. Uh, and you point out some of the things that he did wrong. Why is it crazy to think that in his first uh, international competition going against really good guys, I, I know that you're not, you're not going to have NBA All-Stars in that, but you're also not going to have NBA All-Stars in the college game that he's going to go against night in and night out. Why, why can't you just give him the benefit of the doubt of that he will be able to polish up some of those things and by the time he's at UK, you're still going to see that scoring ability, which I will give you props that you 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 had you've said that you're more impressed than you thought he was going to be and uh, you, you've kind of backed off that statement that he could be he could average 15 points a game but why can't he polish up some of those things and end up being a, a more 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 careful with the ball and, and and not as careless rather well no the issue isn't turnovers the issue is that he's not wired to be a point guard he's a scorer like the reason that he plays the point right now is because he knows that long term he's a guy like he's a in, in NBA terms, like, he's a B-minus athlete. You know what I mean? Like, compared to me or you, TJ, like, he's, he's an athlete. Compared to, uh, to Trevor, like, he's Andrew <laughs> Wiggins on, on, like, three cycles of steroids. But he's not, like, compared to the rest of the NBA, like, he's a B. I had a, I had a conversation with the scout the other day, and he said, if you, if you make John Wall an A-plus athlete, which is, like, the best kind of athlete that you can get um, at the NBA level, Chris Dunn is a guy that's a B-plus athlete compared to John Wall. And mm-hmm. compared to Chris Dunn, Jamal Murray is like a B-minus, C-plus athlete. Yeah, you know what I mean? I and, and, and he's not, he's not a guy. No, he, he, doesn't have, he doesn't have the length of the arms. He's not as vertically explosive. You go back and you watch everything that he did in that game, he was not great at finishing at the rim. And that was against guys that weren't NBA big men. You know? Like, he, he, that'll, yes, that'll get better as he gets stronger. That'll get better as he gets you know, learns how to finish different ways. But his strength is shooting the ball. Like, that's what he does best. And I'm just of the belief that you don't necessarily learn to be a point guard. Like, you, you, you kind of are a point guard or you aren't. You know, there's guys that make everyone around them better, and there's guys that excel with the ball in their hands and scoring. And I, I think that Jamal Murray is a guy who excels with the ball in his hands when he's scoring. And, you know, I don't think he's ever going to be an elite athlete at the NBA level. That, that, that's, just, that's just a fact. And he realizes that, you know, being 6'3", not being a phenomenal athlete, he's not a guy that's going to end up being an NBA two-guard, which is why he's playing the point. That's what his position is going to be long-term. So at, right now, he, like, he's still playing out of position. Like, this is not... He, 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 he's not a point guard yet. Like, he, he can make some plays, he can make some passes, but there's a difference between being able to throw a no-look pass in a pick and roll and being a point guard. And, and that is my point. You know, if, if you have him playing a role where he's, he's kind of a, a score first lead guard, I think what it does, especially at Kentucky next season, is it limits the touches that Skull is going to be able to get. Now, well, well um, he's okay. Again, he's not going to have to play point guard at UK because you're going to have Isaiah Briscoe and Tyler Uless. And I get your concern that off the ball he didn't do that much for Team Canada, but he didn't get a chance to do that much for uh, off the ball with Team Canada because nobody could bring the ball off the floor and nobody could certainly create the way that Murray did. But I think you're being a little harsh on his, on his point guard 
uh, outlook. And, and I do think that's something that can semi be taught. I, I, you know, I don't think you could you could take somebody that's never played point guard in their life and turn them into a high level point guard at the next level. But he did get in the lane, and whether or not he finished at the rim, uh, it, it is tough competition. Uh, he wasn't going against high school guys. He was going against grown men, so it was it, tough competition. He was able to get to the line, and he, he had the right idea on a lot of his passes, but the execution wasn't always there. It wasn't terrible every time, but it was just uh, a bit inconsistent. And again, all those things, I think, are things that he can work on, and you take it down a notch to where he's playing against college guys, I don't see any reason why he can't be a guy that averages six assists a game. <laughs> now, 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 play, now playing, hey, now hey, playing with settle, Tyler Eulis and Isaiah Briscoe, settle, that's going to make that down tougher. There. Settle down there, TJ. Six assists a game? No, come on. Playing with Tyler Eulis and Isaiah Briscoe is going to make that more difficult because you're going to have Tyler Eulis try to average. <laughs> His goal is to break the all-time assist record in U.K. history, so that would be tougher. But if he was on a team hey, where he, hey, he Trevor, did everything Trevor, by himself. Trevor, stats for me. How many, guys, how many guys averaged six assists a game in college basketball last year? I'll bring it up right now. There's, there couldn't have been more than, like, 15 guys in college basketball last season averaged more than six assists. Chris Dunn averaged 7.6. That was the most for any high major. Jaron Grant averaged 6.6. T.J. McConnell averaged 6.4, and D. Davis averaged 6.1. That was it for high major guards that averaged more than six assists a game. So you're telling me that Jamal Murray is going to come in and, and put up numbers? Now, Rob, I didn't say he was going to. I'm saying he is the type of talent where I think if he wanted to focus in on assists, he, and I, I think he's a good passer. Point being. I, I'm not saying he's going to average over six assists six assist a he, game. He, I never, I'm not disagreeing with that. Like, uh, yes, he he is. He makes he does some flashy things like what he did in the in at the end of that USA game with Anthony Bennett in the pick and roll was really really impressive. You know he had the overhead pass from Bennett at the top of the key. He had a couple no looks to Bennett for a dunk. Like that flashy stuff works, but again that you run into the issue where he's a guy that has the ball in his hand and 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 you know that means you have to run everything through him. And again, I think that that puts you in a situation where you might not be getting the ball in your best player's hand. And, and, and you're acting like here, I'm saying that like Jamal Murray's not good. Like, I'm not saying that. I, I, I'm going to have him first-team All-SEC. I think he's a guy that, is, that might average 15 points a game in college, which, you know, at the college level, that's, 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 that's pretty darn good. I'm just telling you, I, I, don't, I don't get why people look at him and see, you know, a guy that can go to the NBA and be picked in the same range as like a Russell Westbrook or a John Wall and all this other kind of stuff. I just don't, I don't see it. And yes, he's going to be better than I initially thought he was, um, especially scoring the ball. Like, look, he can really, really shoot. He can really, really score. And he's going to be able to do that at the college level. But I just don't see this guy coming in and being like a, a program changing talent. I don't see him coming in and leaving as, you know, a top 10 pick. I, I, I saw Draft Express moved into the number six pick over Chris Dunn, which, you know, I just, I don't know. I don't see it. I don't see it at all. And maybe I'm just missing something. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. Like, that's very possible. I'm dumb about a lot of things. That's Trevor. I am. <laughs> I just, I, I don't, I don't see it with Jamal Murray. And that's not to say he's not an exceptional basketball player, but I just I, I don't I don't see it. I don't get why uh, people are thinking he's going to come in and be, and be the star of this team. Uh, might be. Well, Maybe I, I'm wrong. I, I, just I agree that Scal Abissier will be the highest drafted player on this Kentucky team. Uh, but I, I do think Jamal Murray. I, I think that you will. I think you know 
a lot of people wouldn't even admit that he's a better score as you say he's a better scorer than you think he is a lot of people wouldn't even admit that so at, at least you're doing that and I also think that you will think I also think that you will think I'm telling you what you're going to think but I, I do think at the end of this season you're going to say okay he can penetrate and get to the rim better than he could when I saw him a year ago or 11 months ago getting, getting to the rim isn't the issue though the issue is, is finishing at the rim and I don't think that he has the strength or the vertical explosiveness to do that effectively, even at the the college level, I just I don't I think that he's a scorer and a shooter, and that the rest of his game maybe he gets there. Maybe you know by January, it's it's if he continues on this path, you know maybe he does end up being Russell Westbrook. But he's just he doesn't have those same physical tools as other guys do. Like he he's a shooter and he's a scorer, and uh, I don't know maybe Brandon. Form and 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 that's what he ends up being. But even I think even Brandon Knight was more more athletic, a, a better finisher, a better passer. And I think he was more of a, a pure point guard than Jamal. Yeah, well, I you know I, I may disagree with some of that, but uh, I, I think any Kentucky fan would take another Brandon Knight on a UK team. And that's what you're saying is he's going to be able to score. You're just not really buying into his draft hype at this point, which is understandable. Time will tell. We're I'm not. Still- I'm not buying. I'm not buying into him being being the point guard that that people think that he is at this point. But you know, hey, maybe Kentucky, he gets there. At Kentucky, he's not gonna he's not gonna have to be a point guard. I think he can play it. Now, can he go in the NBA and be the best point guard in the league in in seven years? I don't know. We'll see though. He's still 18 years old. There's a lot to be determined there. Let me ask you. You wrote about today about him possibly missing some classes at Kentucky. What's the what's the latest there, and ultimately, what do you think he does? Well, I, I, my understanding of the situation is that he has to be on point, which means that he either is going to have to go to the FIBA Americas tournament or go to Kentucky for the the first semester. I, I don't think that there is a way that that can be worked out. Um, maybe he can apply for a waiver. Uh, I think that. You know, if you're saying, hey, look, I have a chance to represent my country in a, an event as big as this, you know, maybe they'll then see a double A will say, yeah, you know what, just make sure, like, he breathes a book or something when he's down there. Like, I don't know, like, <laughs> fill out a couple tests, do his homework, whatever. Like, maybe, well, it, there's, ways, my, there's ways around stuff like that. I, I just, well, my I question think the way is, that it currently stands is it's one or the other. And I, I think what he'll, if I, had to, if I had to make a bet at this point, I think I would bet on him going to training camp with Team Canada in, I think it's mid-August, and then Mm -hmm. enrolling at Kentucky um, for the first semester. Well, let me, and I really don't know the answer to this, but let me ask you this. If he, UK starts August 26th, and the the tournament, the training camp and the tournament begins August 31st, so that's five days from when the tournament begins, what if he went to UK, went to classes, and then left? How is that the NCAA's after he's been cleared and he's eligible to play and, and the NCAA says, okay, he's good to go? Once he gets to UK, isn't he out of the NCAA's hands? Isn't that go to UK to make sure, okay, uh, he's going to pass his classes, his GPA is going to be where it needs to be? Isn't that on UK and not the NCAA at that point? Yeah, I mean, you would think so, right? But I think that with with the start of classes, I think you have to be there on campus at a certain time so that kids just can't, you know, show up in the middle of October. Yeah. 
you know, without yeah. having gone to class for, for, for a month and a half, um, and then still get the grades that they were going to get originally. Um, so I, I don't, you know, I don't know the answer to that either. And that'd be an interesting thing to, to look at. Um, it's a weird situation though. Like I can't ever remember anything like this popping up before. Yeah. Can you? I, I well, it, it 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 happened with Carl Anthony Towns and the Dominican Republic team last year, and ultimately he couldn't do it. It, it was just too much class that he was going to have to miss, and he they or or he didn't think it was worth it. Uh, with Jamal Murray, you know they could they could Team Canada could use him. I don't think he'd play as much as he did in the Pan Am Games. And certainly, if you're going to get Andrew Wiggins and some of these other guys, he's not going to be as big as a priority for them to get some scoring. But from what I've heard is that Team Canada will want him there, at least on the roster and at least in a role where he can play limited minutes and, and score some. Well, in a, in a vacuum, I think that you know, it's a, it would be a good thing for Canada to get him involved with the program that early. But, I, like, yeah, I think you're right. You know, I don't think he starts over Corey Joseph. I don't think he plays over Tyler Ennis um, yeah. at this point. I- yeah, I I agree with that. I do think he would get some minutes down there, and and like you said, it would be a valuable experience. But at the cost of his uh, eligibility in college, no way. Um, and by all accounts, is that if it comes down to where it doesn't work out school wise, he's going to UK. I know a lot of Kentucky fans are worried that what if he just decides to ditch college altogether so he can get some experience with Team Canada. That's we we. You want to you want to freak out Kentucky fans a little bit. You want to you want to forget Kentucky? How do you fans? do? Let's how do you do that? Tell them that at Oregon, so the semester doesn't start until the end of September. Is that true? Yes, that's true. Is, they, they're on a okay. quarterly system. I really wonder if if Jamal Murray had looked into all this, if that would have changed his decision. Ultimately, I think probably not. But man, that's interesting. That's a yeah. fun fact, there, Rob. That's a that's a. Got you worried a little bit over there yet? <laughs> I'll, I'll put it out there on Twitter and see if people want to get. I'm gonna say that I'm gonna say that you said that, and it might be something to look out for and see if people come after you. I don't. <laughs> yeah, they probably will. <laughs> I don't think. I don't necessarily think it's gonna happen. I think that he's going to Kentucky, but it's just um, someone pointed that out to me today, and I thought it was kind of funny. I, I, <laughs> like, I good good that, decision, that Jamal. You could have you could have played college basketball and gone to the FIBA Americas. He just gone to Oregon. Yeah. Uh, well, while we, we've got a, a minute or two, Rob, you seen any good movies lately? <laughs> no, I haven't. I haven't been watching movies. I, I've been on a binge of The Walking Dead recently. Have you seen that show? Oh, yeah. I, I, you're going to learn. Rob doesn't have like go to modern movies. He watches Netflix TV shows and HBO shows. But every time I would ask him about a movie, he would he, other than Pitch Perfect, he doesn't go to the theater. Interesting. I rarely I, do. Actually, do I'll, I'll give you. I'll tell you what, Trevor. I'll give you a hundred dollars if you can guess the last movie that I saw. Pitch Perfect Two. Nope. Uh, Fast do, and do, Furious. Do I get fifty bucks if I get it the second time? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll give you fifty bucks. I'll give anybody fifty bucks if they can guess it. Oh, well, I, I don't know if that means it's crazy or you're just uh, it's something obvious, and maybe I'm not guessing it. Magic Mike. <laughs> <laughs> no, my wife is trying to get me to go to see that. Oh, you? She made you go see it. Don't you can. You don't have to lie to us. No, <laughs> no, no. She, you know what she tried to do? She tried to say that I saw the first one. You you want to go see it in three D too, don't you? Don't did lie. you see? Did you see the first one? <laughs> no, I did not. I haven't seen either of them. Interesting. Although I was uh, told that the second one is pretty funny. Like the second one is actually worth seeing. You can get past the fact that there's 
19 shirtless dudes dancing everywhere. Well, I know you didn't see Entourage, even though you talked the big game. And no, I haven't. Fan, I, but... I didn't have a. I didn't have the chance. And it came out right when I was moving, man. Like that, they really the 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 people that were making that movie really should have gotten in touch with me, and so I could have told them like this is a bad time for you to release the movie for me. Like, can you push it back? You know, two months. Yeah, because so. I'm sure Rob Doster can't find two hours to free in his day to go see a movie. <laughs> uh, man, look if you if you knew what we had to deal deal with on this move, man, you you would not be laughing. Moving is no joke, man. The struggle is real. Uh, I'm out of guesses, TJ. You want to throw one out there before he tells us? I've already, I've already guessed some. He's gonna just have to tell us. What is it? <laughs> Inside Out. Ah, that's what TJ. Yeah, what TJ I saw that saw last that night. night. Man, you want to talk about depressing movies? I liked it. <laughs> it I, man, that was. Rob's got more of a sick sense of humor, apparently. If you find that it was, depressing, that was, he liked it. That was a dark movie, Rob. It was, it was, oh my God. You know what? I got to go. This is, this is even worse than when you said Jamal Murray was going to be the best player in the country in the number one draft. Rob, Rob are you saying that it's not depressing? Like, uh, it's, is it as depressing as Groundhog Day then? It's just as depressing as Groundhog's Day. Oh, Rob, wow. The movie, the premise of the movie is that to be happy in life, you have to be sad. That's pretty messed up, man. No, you have to have the full range of emotions. You, to be happy you have to be sad and yeah. that all your memories you're going to forget the majority of them and the ones that you do remember will eventually turn sad too everything in life is sadness rob that's what that movie tells me isn't that life in general though well yeah but i don't want to see it, it in a disney movie that's not what that's not what it was saying like you're really good at missing messages that's, I really not, that. that's exactly <laughs> what they said. Really good. No, that's not, that's not the point of it. It is. That is the point I of it. I have no desire I, to see this movie, but I feel like I should go see it to end this argument here in some way. No, I think you're going to need to. You're going to need to see it by next Tuesday, Trevor. I might Trevor, have to. Trevor, don't go see the movie. Like You're going to hate it. <laughs> I, I'll boot trust, I'll boot Trevor, it. Trust me, trust me when I tell you this is not the kind of movie that's up your alley. Okay. Being on the radio with you for like the last 18 years, I think I know what kind of movie you like, and you're not going to like Inside Out. I promise. Yeah, I don't traditionally go to the Disney movies. I always feel creepy, especially when I go by myself. Yeah, I, I could, I could see that. Uh, Rob, we'll let you get out of here. Uh, I'm, I, we're, we're just on different pages today. Yeah, I mean, look, this is just a really depressing conversation. <laughs> well, if we start talking about losing your memories and all your happy thoughts and everything that you loved as a kid is going to go away, then yeah, it would be a little depressing. But instead, we're just talking about how Jamal Murray will be uh, the next Michael Jordan. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I mean, you basically compared him to Michael Jordan. You said that he's going to be better than Derrick Rose and Russell Westbrook. I never I said that. That, that was a quote. That I never quote. said. I never said that. All right, Rob, that get out of here. Get out of here. We recorded the show. I'll go back and check. Thanks, Rob. We'll talk to you next week, maybe. <laughs> Later, guys. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Rob Doster, NBC Sports. I forgot to kind of reset that interview to let you know who we were talking to. But uh, he's on every Tuesday. Couldn't have him on yesterday, but I had him on today. Uh, he hasn't been as high about Jamal Murray. But, Trevor, I thought that was pretty big of him to say that he's a better scorer than I thought. No, I don't think. And, and even in his original article that, that, that stirred the whole – debate i don't think he ever like he just said he didn't ever said murray sucked he just was basically saying no reason to get overhyped from a small dose of what we've seen and there's still things that need to be fixed that he isn't the uh the second coming is what may be described by some of big blue nation that do a lot of times sometimes over 
get overzealous from what might be just not only a good game, but a couple good games, or just even in this case, maybe a couple good quarters through through a few different games. Yeah, uh, well, here and, and if he, you know, he still has some doubts about him, and that's fair. I, I, you know, that's okay. At times, Murray was sloppy, but I think though, I think everything that he did that you were like, oh, he needs that's not that's not good. I think those are things that he can fix, and so you take what he has, and you already have that. He's a great scorer. He can score inside. He can score outside, and you think about the things that he needs to work on: uh, be more efficient with his passing, maybe finish at the rim a little bit better. If you saw that he could get to the rim, then you 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 have to think, okay, he'll figure that out. Uh, and and I think Rob was over exaggerating a bit about how he couldn't finish at the rim. He he did from time to time. He had some really unbelievable layups. Uh, um, well, right and then, there, you so, just you just kind of closed your own argument to his side though by saying layups. He was saying he didn't have the explosiveness well, of. If you're no, laying it up, that does say that you, no, you lack explosiveness in today's about, basketball game. I was talking about specific examples that I saw of him play, and would can some players in the NBA dunk some of those things that I'm talking about, some of these plays that I'm talking about? Yes. Uh, could the average NBA player, could the average college player? Hell no. A lot of them, he didn't even have a, a choice to be able to dunk it. He had to just get it up there one way or the other. And some of the time he made it, some of the times he didn't. He's uh, to, to undersell his athleticism, I think, is kind of unfair. Uh, and he said he wasn't a long point guard. He's six, he has a six foot eight, six foot nine wingspan. You know, that's not seven foot four, that's not seven foot two, but he's a point guard. And that's a pretty decent wingspan for a player that's six foot three. So I disagree with some of those things. He will be a more efficient passer. He'll be more consistent in the lane. Uh, I guess we'll find out if he's the athlete that Rob thinks he is and, and, and basically the equivalent of you, Trevor, out there. Uh, that, that's that's what I was getting out of Rob's conversation, but he, it wasn't. He's not me. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm the equivalent of like Robert Tractor Trailer. I mean, so. But it was. Uh, By the way, got traded for Dirk and whiskey on draft night. So there's that's that you know. Ooh, that's that's I didn't know that, uh, but that's that's no good. Um, anyway, and we could also talk more inside. How could he say that that wasn't depressing? I, I just don't get it. I, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna go to the theaters and see it. I just had a principal alone. Uh, but I will go check. Uh, I have a couple. Yates used to hate when I'd bring this up because Yates is so adamant about bootleg watching uh, movies on bootleg because he feels you know it, it takes away from the. The money, the, the profit, and the people that worked hard to make the movie. In some cases, they couldn't have worked that hard. I've seen some movies that pretty much sucked. But I, I this is one of those that I will – I'll check. I've got a couple bootleg sites. I'll go check them and see if it's on there. And If so, I'll watch it. Okay. But, but I'm, not going to, I'm not going to theater for it. Sorry. Well, the the, the, the segment I teased at the 5 o'clock hour – You guys have ladies. Gonna, you have reasons to go. I don't. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to push that new thing till tomorrow because the show has been pretty busy today. Um, we still have a, a, a we're, we need to take a commercial break right now and then one later in the show. So uh, we'll push that till tomorrow. Uh, there's plenty more to talk about, though. So stick around here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We'll be right back.
here's the deal. I've got a hangover. Who knows what that means? Doesn't that mean you're drunk? No. It means I was drunk yesterday. Presented by Allen Electric. back here a hot sticky wednesday afternoon shows flying by today and this we're gonna go away from sports as uh, we probably do too much on this show here in a second to talk about the new story that has gotten more hits on wdrb here in louisville than any other story this year uh, no, it doesn't have to do with the Confederate flag, doesn't have to do uh, with gay marriage. There was a man in Louisville arrested for shooting down a drone that was hovering over his backyard. And William Meredith was arrested, 47-year-old, uh, earlier this week for getting a shotgun out for a drone that was hovering over his backyard. WDRB has the news clip and, and has Meredith's side of the story. We'll let Trevor cue that on up. Give me one second. I'm just getting it cued. Uh, the, oh, the, the news channels, they do. Here we go. A Bullitt County man is arrested after shooting down someone's drone in his backyard. Only on WDRB News tonight, Ryan Cummings explains why he's not apologizing, right? My daughter comes in and says, Dad, there's a, a drone out here flying. That was Sunday night around 8 off Earlywood Way in Hillview. William Meredith's daughter took this picture. Neighbors saw it too. She looked at the phone and we looked up and it was just kind of hovering above our house and it stayed for a few moments and then she finally, she like waved and it took off. Kim Van Meter has a 16-year-old daughter who lays out at their pool. She says a drone like this one hovering with a camera is creepy and weird. I think you should have privacy in your own backyard. Meredith feels the same way, especially with two young daughters. Is he looking at the girls, the young girls, or is he looking for something to steal? It, it, uh, you know, it, it's an invasion of privacy. Meredith said the drone went away and then came back and started hovering over his backyard. That's when he says he went inside to grab a shotgun. I didn't shoot across the road. I didn't shoot across my neighbor's fences. I shot directly into the air. And if he'd have just flown by my property, wouldn't have been a word said. But when he hovered above my property for more than a few seconds, I felt like I had the right to defend my property. Police arrested Meredith, and he now faces two felony charges, wanton endangerment and criminal mischief. Well, we do have a city ordinance against uh, discharging firearms in the city. Uh, arrest for a Kentucky revised statute violation. The owner of the drone told police it costs more than $1,800. According to the Academy of Model Aeronautics Safety Code, unmanned aircraft like drones may not be flown in a careless or reckless manner, and they have to be launched at least 100 feet downwind of spectators. The FAA says drones cannot fly over buildings, and shooting them poses a significant safety hazard. FAA spokesman Les Dorr tells WDRB an unmanned aircraft hit by gunfire could crash, causing damage to persons or property on the ground, or it could collide with other objects in the air. A couple of minutes after Meredith shot down the drone, four men approached him. Now you asked me, are you the SOB that shot my drone down? And I said, yes, I am. All right, that's uh, that's kind of the gist of of what happened there. Trevor, who's right, who's wrong? Should you sh be able to shoot down a drone that's creeping on high school girls? Uh, I don't know if I'd shoot it down. I'd probably maybe call the cops. 
I wouldn't have shot it down, though, no. Yeah, but if you call the cops, how are you going to be able to know exactly where it goes? Follow it? So yeah, but they can that fast. I mean, you can well, probably... it, they they can go fast, and they can go through. They can go over fences that you can't go over, uh, and then you you lose it. And you don't know where it goes. I, I think following a drone would be harder than you're making it out to be. Possibly, I don't know. I I probably wouldn't have shot down one. I wouldn't have shot down because I don't have a gun. Uh, but if I did have a gun, no, I, I probably wouldn't have shot it down. I would probably would have waved to it. Maybe mooned it a little bit. Uh, <laughs> may, maybe even flashed it in other ways. Uh, by my uh, my own self, not my daughter's, of course, and then and, uh, and then let it go on. And if that's what it wanted, and it comes back, then you know, and I'll, then uh, I'll let an authority know. That was a nice uh, segment from WDRB. You shouldn't shoot it, and he should be in trouble. Now, two felony charges that might be a bit much, especially with well, it's because you know, of no- the price of the drone. Anything over fifteen hundred is a felony. Yeah, but uh, it's two felony charges. It was. Uh, what is it? Endangerment. Yeah, because of what you heard is that faded away. The FFA rule saying that it can crash into something, which does make sense. I don't think he that really, does make sense. Yeah, I don't think he thought that far through when he when he shot it. Something tells me this guy doesn't think a lot far through though on a lot of things. Captain Arctic says, "Shoot it down. That stuff has to stop now." This is going to be interesting the next five to ten years to see what ends up happening with drones and all this stuff. So this ended up. Uh, they need to come up with something that you can't creep on people with drones, and you know people do it, and they need to figure something out where if you get caught or they find out it was your drone or something along those lines, uh, then you, you will, you'll be fined or you'll face prison time depending on, on how it works out. Now, you shouldn't be able to just pull out a gun in a neighborhood and shoot at it. I mean, if it had been uh, a helicopter hovering above him, could he have shot that too? And then, you know, that's kind of a, a good point. Now, there's nobody in a drone, so if you shoot a helicopter, you might kill somebody. Well, it doesn't matter. His his argument was it was hovering above my property. Yeah, I mean, but... technically, the air above you is not your property. Well, it depends. Does your property line go straight up like a like the end zone? If that's the case, then any time a plane goes over your head, it's impeding on your property. But Can you shoot, a, it? Can a, you shoot I, it? I'm sure he would say something along those lines that if somebody was in a helicopter hanging over... His hat backyard. One, I'm sure he'd be a lot more freaked out, like <laughs> what the hell is going on. True. And two, uh, t- if they, I don't think he'd want to shoot at a person. He knows a drone's a machine. He wasn't trying to kill anybody. He was just trying to say, "Hey, get off!" Technically, get off my property. Which, whether or not that's actually his property, is a, is a fair debate. Captain Arctic says, "Imagine that drone coming down and taking Abe or hurting him." Right? Are drones? Are they? Are they? Have they advanced in technology where they can pick things up? I don't think this is Skynet just yet. I think we're I think we're okay on that level. If a drone came and picked Abe up, I would not be happy about it. Uh, I don't think I'd shoot it down either, though, because that would mean Abe would go crashing down with it. Uh, but but and, and Captain Ark brings me to my next point is that's what I'm more worried about. Is just the other day a, a kid was arrested uh, for a teenager who was able to build a gun. Uh, be able to assemble a gun on a drone and shoot the gun. So it was a gun strapped to a flying drone, and I've seen the videos of it. Basically, it's just this hovering drone, and it shoots something, and you know it, it kicks back a little bit because it is firing a bullet. Now, that is what I'm more worried about when thinking about drones. Yates Texan says a drone is considered an aircraft by the FFA and is illegal to shoot down. FAA does control airspace from grass up. Interesting. But 
but that's a but I under you know okay that's that's all fine and dandy. I'm saying that the guy who who shot it should get some sort of trouble. Again, I think two felonies is maybe a bit much. Uh, I don't think I, he'll end up getting charged with two felonies. I'm sure. If he, I mean, he clearly seems stubborn to the point where he doesn't want to accept any kind of responsibility, which makes him look more ignorant than anybody who was even driving the the drone in itself. And he does come off kind of redneckish. I get where he's just defining. I get his point where he felt like he was being his privacy was being impeded a little bit, but you just can't start shooting things down, man. This isn't this this isn't 1875. I mean, this, you can't just start shooting people, shooting things just because you feel like it's near your property. Yeah, uh, it is. It is creepy. I mean, it is creepy just knowing that people can fly stuff that has cameras on it and look into windows and. Uh, hover over people and and do this and that and just knowing somebody's what could be watching you almost at any time that 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 kind of should give you goosebumps. I understand yeah. that. I got nothing uh, to hide. But but you can't pull out a gun in a backyard and just start firing all willy nilly uh, because you're you're worried about your privacy or somebody checking out somebody laying out and tanning. I mean, you know, he says he he claims he sh- didn't shoot it over his neighbor's fence. He didn't shoot, you know, in, in straight for he shot straight up. Well, you know, if he misses. Am I not mistaken? I mean, gravity may not apply to, to rifles, but doesn't a bullet come straight back down? It does. So, uh, I mean, if you're shooting straight up, doesn't mean the bullet's going to come straight down. What if that bullet you'd shot three times, you hit the drone once, those two bullets come down and, and hit somebody else? I mean, are you was it was that worth the fact that you had a drone flowing over to looking at your daughter in a bikini? No, it's it's obviously not. And you, I, I yeah, this may be making a, a huge leap here. But I do wonder if, if alcohol was involved in either party of this of this dispute. I can imagine he had a little bit of a uh, few PBRs in him, and also driving a drone over a na- over a neighbor when they're seeing you. Uh, that that you know maybe maybe that takes some liquor courage to also do that. I don't know, uh, but it's hey, maybe it's, the guy didn't was flying the drone back home, which I think uh, I read in the article it said he was bringing it back. Maybe. He put the controller down to go use the bathroom, and it's at that moment the drone happened to be hovering above his house. I liked it. We we tailed off there at the end, but I liked where he said, "Are you the sob that shot down my drone?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's good stuff. Uh, but but it is that that's going to be interesting to watch over the next five ten years. What what laws come with drones? The- what you can do with them? Uh, because putting a gun on one, like I said, is terrifying. That that turns into almost the perfect crime trevor where you could you could kill somebody or shoot somebody and there'd be no trace of evidence yeah i mean i don't know i think there would have to be some kind of um what's the serial numbers or something linked to the drone that should be able to come link back to the person well, that's that's a, using that's, it that's i mean much like a gun they, it's assuming they find the drone i mean you True. could you could theoretically shoot somebody with a drone and then fly back to your house hoping that nobody saw it. I mean, how's that any different than using a sniper, a sniper gun, though? Well, it's uh, if you're using a sniper, that means you're, you're, it, you're you far know, away and no one's going to well, see Well, it you depends do how it. far away you are. But well, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's not, but people have been murdered with snipers, too. And some have gotten away with it, some wouldn't. If you killed somebody with a drone, I'm sure some people could get away with it, some couldn't. But it is. Uh, it's scary to think about. Well, we're going to put you on the bench, Judge uh, Walker. Does this uh, does this gentleman have to reimburse the drone owner for the eighteen hundred dollars? Yeah, he he will have to do that, okay. and he will be he'll he'll have to do some community service as well. There'll be some other fines he has to pay, 
Uh, he's not getting away scot-free, but I, I think two felonies is is a is kind of shrink. But yes, he will be having to pay that money back without uh, a doubt. You, you agree? Tagging someone with a felony charges is like a negotiation to buy an item. You always start high and you work your way down. That's what this is. He'll end up playing out of it, I'm sure, unless he wants to be, like I said, completely stubborn and and, and try to go with it. And then in that case, he's going to be losing. Yes, if I'm the judge, you're re, you're reimbursing this gentleman. Uh, I maybe do some kind of restrictions. Um, I don't know if it's kind of a flagging the guy who owned the drone uh, and somehow flagging his him to show that he has been in a situation where he has possibly been, you know, voyeurizing with a drone above some high school kid's yard. Uh, so if it happens, if he's, you know, comes up again, he can be maybe punished properly for what he's trying to get away with. But a yeah, lo- it- long story short, I would, yeah, he's paying that guy back. The guy that shot him, I, I wouldn't do anything other than make him pay him back, to be honest with you. Uh, give him some community service. Just let him yeah. know he can't go around firing gun. Hey, we've had a few people text in. Captain Arctic tweeted, and they want to they, they want to hear the clip again. They want or they want to hear the end of the clip about the SOB part. Can you? Can yeah, you... it's only about forty seconds left in the clip. Here's the rest of it. Okay, thank you. If you cross my sidewalk, there's going to be another shooting. Meredith says police let the <laughs> men take the drone, but never remove the SIM card for evidence. He hopes politicians take notice because our rights are being trampled daily, yeah. and not on a local level only, but on a state and federal. We, we need to have some laws in place to handle these kind of things. And Meredith says the judge told him not to have any contact with drones or shoot any more down. And you can read more about what he told police at WDRB.com. Ryan Cummings, WDRB News. Right, thanks, Ryan. This is <laughs> <laughs> hey, I can't even told not to be. shoot any more drones down. Now, man, don't be shooting any more drones down, buddy. <laughs> that was better than I thought. If you cross the sidewalk, we're going to have another shoot. He threatened to shoot him. Well, personally, you can't shoot him if he crosses the sidewalk. That's public property. Man, that is uh So is he, so was, he knows the guy, I assume, or the, the, I, I guess was, the, the gentleman. No, he the the guy came over. I mean, I'm sure he probably lived in the same neighborhood and came over. Yeah, I'm, I guess they would have. Uh, I guess our tracking devices on drones. I don't. I don't know. I've never. Owned yeah, well, a drone. well, you, you also know where you know when you have a drone, you generally know where it is. So he probably knew that they were filming these people. The guy said that they waved at him. And he said if they came back and the drone was still there, he was going to shoot it. So they probably the people with the drone were having a good time knowing exactly who they were looking at. All of a sudden, it was shot down. They probably went, okay, well, I know exactly where that was. I'm going to walk over there and, you know, give them hell. Well, yeah, he just shot an $1,800 drone down. I'd be pretty ticked, too, if I'm that dude that owns it. Yeah, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be happy about that. I mean, uh, is, I, mean I, the, the, I don't know. The, the guy that did the shooting, I, I, on one hand, I understand a little bit where he's coming from. But he's ex- doing it to extreme levels that makes him look ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, it, it, if, yeah. if someone's using a uh, high-powered uh, camera and taking pictures from their home of him in his house, does he does, does that feel like he has the right to go and punch that dude or shoot that camera out of his hands? Because it's now what, by what that definition, be is, is, by that definition, is impeding on his on his privacy, which he claimed the drone was doing. Now this would be much har- harder to be able to do, but if somehow you could just without shooting it and, 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 you know, putting other people in danger is if you could get a, you know, a, a, not a necessarily a big stick or be able to throw something at it or be able to get the, get your hands on the drone and you get the SIM card and say, hey, okay, listen, uh, this is, this is why I knocked it down. This is why I, I, I stole this drone is it was looking at me in the shower or it was doing, you know, if you could have cold hard facts and showcase that, yes, they were peeping in on me. Uh, then, then the person with the drone, I think, would be the one getting in a lot of trouble. 
and that's how you're going to get some laws on these drones to, to where you can't fly them all over the place. But we'll see. We'll I've, see how I've that. I've never had a drone come over my backyard. If I did, I didn't know it, and if it did, I wouldn't really care to be honest with you. I really don't know if I've ever seen a drone fly in in real life. I don't I know don't if I've I been have. out in public and been like, "Oh, look, there's a drone." But I'm sure that'll probably change. Uh, we need to get one more sports topic in here, Trevor, before we leave. Let's do a fantasy football one. Somebody texted into the show. How would you rank the following? Marshawn Lynch, Arian Foster, C.J. Anderson, DeMarco Murray, and uh, how would you rank those? Uh, you, you say, say the names again. Uh, so You said C.J. Anderson, Marshawn Lynch, DeMarco Murray, and what was the last name? I'm trying. You said so many of them. Arian Foster. In order, how would you rank them? One through four. Um, I'd probably go Lynch one, uh, two. From a fantasy football impact and a PPR. In a fantasy football in a PPR, I'm still gonna say Lynch one. Uh, Murray, Murray just scares me because of of Matthews and Spurl still on that staff, and I feel like they're going to. You're going to see a lot of Murray not on the field during even maybe some long second downs and most third down situations. So I feel like that's going to take a chunk of his stats down uh, in Philadelphia. So I and then of course Foster worries me because of injury and CJ. I'll go CJ Anderson two, very close two three and four though. Are, I mean just I mean right within a nail of a fingernail of each other. But I'll go CJ Murray and then Foster last. I would agree with Foster last. I think I would – I guess you'd have to – no, I'm not putting Lynch first. I think this is the year where the, he he might be – he'll be good. He'll score touchdowns. But I think this will be the drop year for him. Um, so I, I would put – I don't know. I mean, C.J. Anderson, Anderson – And Anderson scares me because Anderson – I mean, I listen, Anderson can have one bad game and be replaced probably very easily in that lineup. Maybe, maybe not though. But he can catch passes. He can. He's, He's very good at PPR. I, I would do C.J. Anderson one, and then basically a tie with Demarco Murray, Marshawn Lynch, with the the safer choice being Lynch, but with the higher ceiling being Murray, and then Foster last. That's how I would do those. Now, if if, if I'm incorrect in my uh, thought process of Sproles and Matthews taking away from Murray then Murray is number one without a doubt and, and probably a large gap amongst all of them, if, especially if, if they didn't have Matthews. And Matthews' injury background does lead you to make you think he's not going to play a whole lot. And Sproles is getting up there in age, and Murray can play third-down situations. He does catch the ball very well out of the backfield. So, I mean, but just the fact that he is one of three guys, and I can see Philadelphia not wanting to overexude just overload him with carries like he did last year, knowing that injuries can come about with De- with Demarco Murray if you put too much pressure on him. Yeah, that makes sense. So uh, that's the only reason he would be borderline three with me. But if he is going to be the number one guy, and they're not going to in the, have those other two make any kind of impact in terms of statistically on his fantasy numbers. Then, without a doubt, and this isn't biased from me being an Eagles fan, but Murray is number one with a huge gap in between. I I I like C.J. Anderson. I think he's going to get a lot of passes uh, and also be not the focal point of that offense, but also plenty of carries too. As they're going to try to balance things out. We're out of time on today's show. Uh, one that just flew by today. The drone discussion was fun. Thanks, Rob Doster, for coming on. Kobe Smith will announce tonight between Kentucky and Miami 
Uh, he's a 2016 player, football player. UK football is just on a tear. Here he played. We're running back at Louisville. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, Kobe Smith is a – he had originally committed to NC State. He's a defensive tackle from Georgia. He's a three-star, but a highly ranked three-star. And like I said, 2016 guy, he's got offers from Arkansas, Miami, NC State, Georgia Tech, uh, Mississippi State, North Carolina, a lot of good schools. But pretty much between UK and NC State, I would be shocked if UK was not the choice. Uh, UK football is really, really starting to roll uh, on the recruiting trail, both for 2016 and 17. But we'll talk more about that tomorrow. Thanks for listening. We'll see you then. 1450 The Sports Bus.